Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, ladies. This is Dr. Fiona Lovely and the Not Your Mother's Menopause Making Hormones Make Sense podcast. I hope everyone's well. I've got an interview for you today, but before I tell you too much, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Rosebud Woman. Hey guys, you know I love great products, especially clean, ethical, high-performing products. Have you heard of Rosebud Woman? A female-led, family-run company that creates intimate care products for all stages of a woman's life. Think gorgeous products for delicate vulvar and vaginal skin. Using the purest plant-based organic ingredients, Rosebud Woman makes moisturizers, soothing balms, lotions, oils, and more for sensual self-care. In case you aren't sure where to start, I personally adore the Honor Everyday Balm for Delicate Vulvar Skin. It's nourishing, dryness and irritation solution without hormones, which means you can use it any time. Available online at rosewoman.com, that's rosewoman.com, or at spas and luxury retailers nationwide. Use the code DRLOVELY for 10% off your order. It's case-sensitive, guys, so it's capital D, capital L, exclusively for my podcast listeners. All right, I'm thrilled to bring you an interview today that I had the uh, recent pleasure of doing a video interview, actually, with Dr. Teresa Irwin. And if you've not heard of her, she is the vaginacologist on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And uh, she's got a fascinating feed. You guys really need to take a look. So let me introduce you to Dr. Terry. Dr. Teresa Irwin is board certified in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery, previously known as urogynecology. She is one of less than 1,500 board certified in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery in the United States. Isn't that cool? So excited to have her here. She provides women of all ages essential education, female empowerment, advanced female pelvic medicine, reconstructive surgery of the pelvic floor, and gynecologic aesthetic surgery. Her philosophy is to present extraordinary health care through a woman's life by treating the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. She wants to provide the information that will empower women to take an active role in their own reproductive health, including all stages of our lives. In January of 2020, Dr. Irwin founded the Vaginacologist because after years of working as both a surgeon and expert witness on female pelvic dysfunctions, she realized many of the issues her patients were experiencing were due to lack of education. She now has a following of over 50,000 across social media platforms. Dr. Irwin provides educational resources to help women understand their anatomy and implement preventative measures to reach their full potential. As a speaker, she provides education that will drastically reduce a woman's risk of developing vaginal and bladder dysfunctions. This information will increase the quality of life for women all around the world. You can find her at her website, which is thevaginacologist.com. Now, as she and I got started talking, man, we went all over the place, but 
Uh, the interview starts here where she's talking about where she came up with the, the name, the vaginacologist. But we wander into incontinence of bowel and bladder, which is extremely common for women. One in two of us will leak bladder. Uh, prolapse of pelvic organs, which doesn't sound all that glamorous. But guys, listen, we need to know about this so we can prevent it. And, um, you know, she talks about the reason why she was drawn uh, to, and called into uh, this kind of work where she's taking the information at a much younger level, which is important stuff. Uh, stay tuned for, for this whole interview, which I just loved. And uh, I'll talk to you uh, on the other end. Um, enjoy yourself here is Dr. Teresa Irwin, the vaginacologist. One of his buddies came up to him and said, hey dude, what is it that your mom does for a living? He knows 15, 16 years old and he hears me talking about vaginas all day. So he said, uh, vaginacology? So when he told me the story, I said, of course, this is exactly what I do, it's perfect. You know, I treat problems of the vagina. Problems that not a lot of us really wanna talk about. So bladder problems, leaking bladders, leaking bowels, problems with sexual function, uh, and sagging vaginas. Oh, boy, you have stepped in it there, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what it means to be a pelvic reconstruction surgeon. Well, so we treat uh, those problems. So what they are officially, for example, would be uh, urinary incontinence. So basically the uncontrollable loss of urine, which can happen whether you're exerting yourself, anything such as walking, running, jumping, laughing, lifting, exercising, sex, uh, or leaking when you get that sudden urge that you can't make it to the bathroom time, gotta go, gotta go. Uh, and, and other ways, those are just the most common types of urinary incontinence. That is, Urinary incontinence is actually such a common problem that more than, so either you or me, or maybe both of us is gonna have urinary incontinence at some point in our life. More than 50% of women will have bladder leakage. The other conditions that I treat uh, are bowel leakage. So uncontrollable uh, leakage of stool, whether it's liquid or, or solid. And also things like constipation. So I treat kind of opposites. So bladder leakage, but also inability to pee adequately, or bowel leakage, poop leakage, and constipation, as well as what I call, you know, sort of a, uh, uh, what I've termed as, uh, as a sagging vagina is basically prolapse. So prolapse means that the pelvic organs are starting to descend in the vagina. This is sort of the end uh, the end result of many years of symptoms. And from what I understand from talking to you um, is that you really want to try to get the information to help women at a much younger age than let's Absolutely. say the patient you worked with yesterday. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about that, please. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is what I am super passionate about because initially, you know, I went through residency and, and uh, you know, became more subspecialized. And my big thing was, ooh, I, I want to learn all these surgeries. I want to do them, you know, in a, in a way that's going to treat all these problems and that's going to be the end all. They're going to be fixed, right? And the problem is, is, and this is the analogy I use. If someone goes 
to have bariatric surgery and they lose 100 pounds, right? Then they go back to their old behaviors. They eat all the high carbs, they don't exercise. What's gonna happen? They're gonna probably gain the weight back. Well, it's not quite to that severe degree, but it's pretty close. So if I go and I fix, I spend four hours and I fix a woman's bladder incontinence, bowel incontinence, or prolapse, et cetera, but then she doesn't do, and we'll talk about some of those, the, the behavioral changes doesn't keep up with the exercises, doesn't avoid the bladder irritants or the things that make her constipated. Well, her likelihood that things are going to recur is going to be higher than if she followed all of that. So the, the basics, kind of like everything, right? The basics are so critical, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. But the thing is, most people don't know what that really is, especially when we talk about the pelvic floor. Why am I going to be on a diet and exercise regimen for my pelvis? Huh? Are you crazy? So um, that's really where it starts and where it has to, where it should, I wish, end and not have to go on to medication and, uh, and or surgeries. So my goal is to provide early education so that they can prevent these problems later on in life. But here's the problem. You don't have a problem, right? My pelvis is fine. I'm not peeing or pooping on myself. Why do I need to do anything? And that's going to be my biggest obstacle. And I want to target, especially the young, because there are certain activities that they're doing now. For example, women uh, that are volleyball players, out of all of the athletics, they are the, the ones that have the greatest risk of developing stress incontinence, 116% uh, increase over other athletic sports. So it's not to say you don't play volleyball. It's to say, okay, this is what you can do so that you reduce your risk of that coming about later on in life. So it is early education at an early age. Now, don't get me wrong, any, any age, is, it's never too late. And, and I, I, I say that because every day um, I do have women that have milder degrees of issues. And when I send them to the pelvic floor therapist, they, they're like, why didn't anybody teach me? I am so much better. You know, I don't need surgery. And I'm like, great. That's really great. Because they did the simple things. And so that is what, what I want to do. So, you know, my, my patients do so much better if they go to the therapist. And in the past, I didn't require that they go. I just told them they had to, but I didn't require it before I did surgery. And because, I, you know, through time I found, and, and also in research, that patients do much better if they have done that and continue to do it post-surgery, uh, that they do way, way better. So I decided that... I will not operate on anybody that's not gone to the pelvic floor therapist. And now, you know, since since they stole my thunder by making <laughs> making my surgery numbers so much better, <laughs> then I decided to steal their thunder. Now I'm educating people with what they do. <laughs> now you're the vaginecologist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really this, this desire in you to get the information out to the women at a time before they become symptomatic mm -hmm. is yeah. really what drove you to yeah. create this social media presence that, you, that is a fairly new thing for you, but has uh, become quite popular. So tell us mm -hmm. about that, please. Yes. So uh, again, my goal being to get the education out to many because, we, you know, I mean, what did we have before the internet in terms of education? Encyclopedias and libraries. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Playboy, Inquirer. Right. You know, really good, really good sources, right? Yuck. 
<laughs> so, so it was terrible. Uh, that's kind of where it started, where I was trying to educate myself. I was trying to gain control of me. And it just was not a whole lot there. And now that we do have these sources, it's still not out there. And again, when, when you don't see that as a problem, you're not going to really pay attention. So when I uh, embarked upon making it my priority to get the information out, uh, I discovered that I actually have to use social media to make, a, to make an impact on it. And I started with TikTok because that's where mostly, uh, although that's changing, mostly young women are going to be watching. Uh, now, actually, I have some of my older patients, older uh, women are, are getting on there and responding and asking questions. And so it's really great. Uh, wow. it, it's a lot of work, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm not getting paid, but that's okay because I know it's going to make a difference. Um, I just need to get it out to more. <laughs> so, well, and I think I get what I get where you're going. You know, part of the problem is that especially for our generation, we were raised by women who we just, we did not talk about pelvic things. We didn't talk about orgasms. We didn't no. talk about uh, the, the actually what happens during labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the changes of a woman's body before, during, and after pregnancy right. or before, before delivery and certainly after. We yeah. didn't talk about, we certainly didn't talk about when grandma sneezed and leaked, you know, pee. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And very much we didn't talk about the, sometimes the tearing that happens with uh, delivery is what can cause the rectocele, etc. Yeah. So nobody wants to talk about that. So yeah. here we are, uh, 2020, and I still have patients who don't want to discuss this with me. I have to bring no. it out in them, mm-hmm. and that's vaginal dryness, painful intercourse, of course, mm-hmm. those ones, and the uh, the urinary incontinence. That's one we don't want to talk about. It's funny. A few years back, I was asked to do a, a women's. Um, it was a hormone summit. By the way, great for you. That's awesome that you ask those questions because so many you must. so many docs don't. Anyway, you go on. Must I mean I know good we job. Want- Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Vagish? Vagish? Magician? That's it. You're doing vagic. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Vagic! <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you and I could take a show on the road, Doctor Terry. Oh yeah, let's do it. Come on. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so I was asked to do this hormone summit, and uh, it was by a woman in a very conservative area of the world, and she wanted me to speak on the taboo subjects of menopause, which we had started to cover. And and of course, that's you know that's the it's all the stuff I just talked about. So yeah, right. Yeah. And as soon as I started to talk about it, we met like this. As soon as I started to talk about it, she. Uh, she, I could tell she got really uncomfortable that I was talking about what I was talking about. And I'm going, sister, like, this is the taboo of menopause. What did you yeah. think it was going That's to what talk- you asked me to talk about. <laughs> oh, right. You thought it was, I just got bitchy with my boss and that's the taboo <laughs> of menopause. Oh no, sister. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of people still think that they, they, they yes. think it's, you know, just the, the craziness, you yes. know, the, the mood swings and that's it when it's way more than that. So much more, so much more. And I think, you know, I think it's going to take people like you and I who aren't afraid to say the words 
mm-hmm. vagina, vulva, yeah. um, anus, you know, all of those right. things. We need to talk about it. Yeah. And isn't it yeah. fascinating that women also don't want to talk about money or power and that's all in the pelvis and the root and sacral chakras too? Oh my God. All For connected. Sure. Yes. It's all connected. It really is. Yes. So good for you for saying, you know, I want to get this information out. And it's just like the podcast. We don't get paid to do it. I do it out of a love for it because I know, or I hope that it's going to bring information to somebody who either can't access information Mm -hmm. where they are, or, you know, maybe something they wouldn't even think about. You're Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Good job. Great job. So, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. yeah, you, you talked about the uh, volleyball players. That's a note I have. Yeah. So, is that just a matter of gravity? Like, what's going on there? So, it is the pounding. It's the pounding exercise and not what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and everybody so, else should, too. <laughs> so, whenever, you know, for example, running. So, anything that's putting a lot of stress that that's uh frequent uh where you're you're you know uh landing hard on on your uh feet uh that that kind of stress and impact it, it increases the risk of prolapse and and especially stress incontinence and the reason is is because it's that stress and pressure is it's it's also what happens with a lot of weightlifting or heavyweight lifting whether it's at work or purposely in the exercise room or the the gym and so that just causes the ligaments and the muscles to just become to to elongate and and sag more right. uh, so you know any uh, athletic that causes that kind of motion um, the excessive uh, heavy lifting. You know, I have in Central Texas, I have a lot of patients that have farms, so they do a lot of, you know, they carry these 75-pound sacks of feed, and, and so that is a common thing that will happen is that they develop these problems because of that. And again, it's not to say don't do it. It means don't do it all the time or do a Kegel right before you do this particular uh, exercise or movement or whatever. Uh, so yes, those and pregnancy, of course, is going to be the most common cause of these problems because of the weight and stretching and straining on the pelvic floor that is continuous. That is, you know, it's not just when you jumped or when you ran, it is nine months or really 10 months. Uh, of course, it's not, the baby's not that big the whole time, but it's that constant pressure and strain on the, on the pelvic floor. So, okay. Well, so break it down for us. What are the things we can do for our pelvic health right now? Well, there's a lot of things, actually, but I'll I'll give you some (laughs) basics. Please. uh, You know, many times the way that we've been taught, everyone has heard of Kegel exercises, right? But most people don't do it correctly. And and I tell my patients this because I tell them, I want you to go see a pelvic floor therapist. Mm -hmm. She's going to teach you how to properly do the pelvic floor exercises or what we know as Kegels. And almost nine out of 10 times they're like, I've been doing those all my life and that's not helping. And I said, okay, well, listen, I will be the first to admit that I did not do them correctly until I really delved into my subspecialty. So I want you just to go visit with her. She's going to teach you a bunch of other things that you didn't realize are also exacerbating your problems. So when I tell them that, you know, when I say, yeah, me too, they're more willing to do it. But it's true. I mean, here I'm a doctor. Why don't I know how to do it right, right? 
So the way that you do it is not by, uh, a lot of women will say, well, I just hold, pretend like I'm holding my pee and I do it when I'm peeing. Like they'll, they'll try to hold it in the midstream. That's actually the worst place to do it mm -hmm. because you're going to cause this voiding dysfunction, voiding meaning peeing. And dysfunction, of course, you know, means not functioning properly. So you're, you end up training your bladder to do this intermittent stop-start that is not good because then you have a harder time emptying well. So you don't, the, the, the most important exercise that is a pelvic floor muscle exercise or a Kegel is to pretend like you're holding your poop, not your pee. So squeeze your anal sphincter, right? The taboo word. Mm -hmm. And the way that I like, the way, what it does is it incorporates, actually, let me show Tina, because this is really shows a, um, what I'm trying to explain even better. So you see, of course, the, the anal opening. And look at all the muscles that are around the anus. A lot, tons of muscles. So when you squeeze your anal sphincter, that accounts for 70% of the pelvic floor muscle strength. When you, and then look at the urethra. Not many muscles are surrounding it, right? So it's not holding your pee that you want to do as a primary Kegel exercise, although there is one. Uh, but, but if you want to do just one, then squeeze your anal sphincter. And you want to do what it does, it strengthens slow twitch muscle muscles. So I like to give the analogy of pretending like you're on an elevator and you're gonna to go to the 10th floor. So you start on the first floor and you squeeze just a little bit, just very little. You go to the second floor, squeeze a little bit more, third floor, a little bit more until you get to the 10th floor. That's the max that you can squeeze your anal sphincter and then you hold it as long as you can. Ideally, if you can do 10 seconds, that's wonderful. And then slowly for five seconds, so you take half the time to unsqueeze or go down the elevator and repeat it as many times as you can, ideally 10. Most of the time, you know, women can't do that, the full amount that I, that I suggest, but it doesn't matter. Just start with something and do it every single day. There's an app that, that the therapist that I closely work with uh, has patients download, and she'll take everybody's phone and she'll download it for them if they say, I don't know how to do it. And uh, so they get alerts to tell them, you know, it's time to do your Kegels. Now, I think that's brilliant, except that... What happens with all the dings that we get throughout the day? We ignore them, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, now I've kind of gone to if, if they get if they tell them they come in and they say, oh yeah, I'm using the app, and every time you know I get my little notification, I'm doing it. So that's great. I don't tell this to those folks, but many times after surgery, they stop doing them. Mm -hmm. So when they come back in postoperatively, I'll ask them, and if they aren't, then what I tell them is associate it with a habit. And what's a habit? It's something that you do unconsciously, right? You just do it without thinking about it. So I say, associate it with a habit that you do. So that can be your trigger. Trigger. So for example, I, I do uh, brushing my teeth and I usually brush my teeth every day uh, is my trigger. Good. And <laughs> <laughs> you can either do it during or after, but that's my reminder. Do your Kegel exercises, right? Because you can do it anywhere. I mean, I'm doing one right now, but you didn't know. So it is very, um, it's something that really, 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 really is super important. And we don't realize how important it is. It's, you know, like, it's like lifting weights. You're exercising your, your tone of your body. You know, you don't do it, it gets flaccid. So that's what happens in the vagina. You don't want a flaccid vagina. So do your exercises. So that's one. Now I said that there's slow twitch 
And then the, the fat, there's fast twitch muscle exercises where that's where I do say, pretend like you're holding your pee, but don't do it on the toilet. Don't do it when you need to pee. Do it uh, at you know, your, your time every day that you have designated. And what you do with those is, is uh, something called quick flicks. So instead of going slow up the elevator, then you're gonna go quick. So you go squeeze, 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 squeeze. Um, you don't have to do it super fast, but just faster, uh, much faster than you do your regular slow twitch, squeezing your anal sphincter type of exercises. And again, ideally you wanna do 10 uh, repetitions, if possible, five to 10 times. And again, it's not necessarily gonna happen right away, but over time it will. It's like most things, if you do it, you get better. Practice does not make perfect, it makes progress. So those are, those are Kegel exercises, and that's just one of lots more that you can do. So you wanna ask me something about that, or do you want me to keep going? Uh, well, you know, I, um, I well, Really, I have, I have something to say and then something to ask you. So I think this is this is what you're talking about is, um, uh, and this kind of comes back to the awareness and, and what people like you and I are doing, which is bringing um, awareness to the things that women are not talking about. Yet there is so much that can be done prior to the nuclear option of medication or surgery. Whether we're talking about the thyroid or the mm -hmm. female hormones or um, the pelvic uh, the pelvic floor, right, or anything yes. for that matter. Yes. Actually, I'm yes. studying Alzheimer's uh, right now and how there's uh, very much sex-driven uh, characteristics are the reason why women are so much more likely to end up with Alzheimer's than men. That's another yeah. topic. We'll leave that. Ooh, one. I want to hear a little more about that. Oh, there's a brand new paper. I'll send it to you. Okay, I just got it yesterday. Ooh. Awesome, yes. No, yay, love... science nerds. <laughs> I know. I'll send um... it to you, Dr. Terry. <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> anyway, so I think it's about, about that awareness that we as women, here's what we do. We give away our power. We give it away. We think we don't have any. Or we yeah. say, okay, well, the doctor yeah. is the one that controls my health. Yes. No, you, terrible. you're the one. Right, and yeah. so it's about giving information that can uh, empower us. Because does anybody ever want to have to go to the doctor and say, "I pee my pants, I'm leaking, I definitely can't have sex because my cervix is hanging out of my vagina"? Like nobody mm -hmm. wants to get to that point. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what you're doing is sharing that information so that we don't have to get there because. You know, we want to teach women that it's okay to talk about it. It's no longer taboo. Yes. But mm -hmm. if we have to prevent, if we can prevent it altogether, that's the best thing. Mm -hmm. So that Absolutely. was the comment, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to ask, you said that there were uh, dietary considerations for mm -hmm. pelvic, or yes. pelvic, uh, uh, pelvic uh, organ health. So talk to me about that. Sure. So there is a category that we call bladder irritants, and it's exactly that. They irritate the bladder, so it makes it, because the bladder gets irritated, it contracts more. And there are certain beverages and foods that will do it more than others. And so those are going to be uh, spicy foods, citrus products, milk, artificial, artificial sweeteners, carbonated drinks, um, tomatoes, and caffeine, and alcohol. So yes, I want everybody to have a boring life. Yeah, the delicious things, right? <laughs> 
no. When I tell patients, of course, I mean, you can imagine, I mean, that sucks, right? Who wants to give all of that up? What I indicate is give up something one at a time and see if you have improvement uh, and, and do it for two weeks and see if your symptoms get better. So mostly it's going to affect the bladder. It can affect the bowel. But if you're having to go to the bathroom every 30 minutes, every hour, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you stop drinking the caffeine or the spicy foods, and now you're, you're able to hold it two or three hours, well, then you know that that's a culprit. So then discontinue that. Uh, you know, because when you, it's overwhelming to tell them to give all that up. So one thing at a time is, is fine. And, and if you find that, yes, caffeine makes you go to the bathroom every hour the first half of the day, and you're fine with it, well, then go ahead. You know, that, that, if you're fine with it, that's fine, right? Now, if it's a little more severe, if it's not just frequency, you know, if it's, it's more, um, you know, you're basically wetting your clothes completely, then, you know, that's going to be a little more strict. Uh, and it, it's not, not necessarily that the, those are causing damage to the bladder. They're not. They're just causing the bladder to get irritated and contract more. So you're more likely to leak and need to go to the bathroom or get the urgency. Now, when it comes to the bowel, there are certain things that can be more constipating. And again, it's kind of where you have to look at your diet and see what things cause constipation more or what will cause loose stools. Because the most common cause of bowel incontinence is the food that you're eating. It's diarrhea or loose stools. It's not because they truly have a problem with the nerves or the muscles in the, in the uh, colorectal area. It's because they're eating things that provoke it. So if you simply change your diet and now you're not pooping on yourself, well, that's huge, right? So it, it, it is very much going back to the basics. My listeners are pretty well schooled on how to heal their gut. I talk about it a lot Yay. and tend to the microbiome. And so hopefully there's not anybody that's still having diarrhea or constipation. And if you are, please reach out and we'll see what we can, uh, <laughs> what information we can facilitate for you. And you know, so often, uh, bowel issues are related to uh, food allergies that nobody's really aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of celiac disease and a lot of non-celiac. Oh I had no idea how common it is. It's so amazing. Common. It's yeah. amazing. Not just GI issues that it causes, but so many other systemic problems. Oh, brain. So brain is the curious, big one. Yeah. What, do you, what do you tell patients when they're constipated and they have, they drink, you know, three liters of water a day, they have their five to seven servings of uh, vegetables uh, and they exercise, what do you tell them then? And they've checked, they've done allergy testing. Okay. So um, I find that constipation is quite often involved with control issues in a woman's life. Mm. And I know, (laughs) right? So uh, it's, and usually it showed up when they were first a toddler and they pooped when they wanted to poop, not when their mom wanted them to poop. Like this is a, this is a lifelong pattern. So there's some, some reworking that can be done around Isn't that there. crazy? Psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so common. Yeah. Now, listen, you and I can talk for days about the <laughs> effects uh, well, for a lot of things, but about the effects of uh, trauma, sexual trauma on a woman's health, but especially her pelvic and abdominal health. 
Mm-hmm. And so often there's stuff like that that can be uh, managed. Isn't it funny? I, I mean, you asked me about, you know, what, what do you tell your people if they don't poop? Well, look, it, you covered all the basics. You mm-hmm. did it. So now we Oh, squatty potty. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Right. Because we are or with your um, I know Tushy's got a little um, stool now that you can put your feet up on. And if you want to know what we're talking about, basically what we're talking about is if you ever watched a dog poop, they've got it right. Like they squat proper. (laughs) And we've been taught as good girls to sit on the toilet all nice and proper, which makes me think of your, um, your video about positions to urinate in. Dr. Mm -hmm. Terry, we need to talk about that one next, please. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I say, and then the other thing is thyroid. We need to look at thyroid and make sure thyroid is working fine because often that's connected to constipation as well. Um, Also, some women just get constipated around their cycles just mm-hmm. how, how it works. Lots yeah. of women have diarrhea around their cycle. So, yeah. you know, it's the same nerves, guys. So it, it makes sense that you would have, uh, have one or the other. But right. I would say there's something. I would go to psychological after what you talked about because you covered all the big ones. And most people are going to be the big guys, right? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. They, they have tried all those things when they, many times when they bring the problem to the doctor. Because again, that, that bowel especially is is really um, even more taboo than things of the vagina Uh, and i'm talking more about not just constipation but you know uh either loose stools or or leaking so yeah yeah Yeah. of course of course it would be you know uh microbiome consideration is is the other thing that we just didn't talk about so making sure you're getting a good uh probiotic uh, eating pro uh, eating prebiotic foods yes uh, which is a big one right those create the little nests where the bugs can hang out and be happy so one of the first videos i saw with you was you showing us how the was it four or five positions to pee in Mm -hmm. talk to me about that please Sure, sure. So like you said, we're taught to pee very prim and properly, which is how we're supposed to behave, right? And it's so, so wrong on multiple levels. So no, behave badly. No, just kidding. So <laughs> yes, lean forward. <laughs> Basically, I, I, I coined these different peak positions my own thing, just like my own title. <laughs> so it. this one is supposed to be the leaning forward position, but that's kind of boring. I'd say pee like a cowboy. Open your legs up. Lean forward and put your elbows above your knees so that you don't hurt your knees. And make sure your feet are flat on the floor because then you won't be quite as relaxed. And what that allows, it changes the angle so that you empty your bladder instead of leaving up to one third in the bladder. Isn't that crazy that you can, just in that tiny little change in your position, uh, it can cause a lot of problems and a lot of UTIs. Because think about it, if you are not emptying, there's this nice little pool of uh, warm urine. And so the bacteria is swimming in there and they're like, hey, let's have a party, come on over. So they invite more bacteria and get you know, more infections. And then it fills up quicker, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't think that you should be filling up that quickly. So sometimes you might delay it. So then you start having the urge incontinence or the urgency and frequency. So yeah, peeing properly, how could that make such a difference? Simple I guess thing. nobody's teaching No this. surgery, no surgery yes. required, no medication required right? (laughs) Okay. So that's one. And then the next one I like to call the reverse cowgirl position. And that's you basically turn 180 degrees on the toilet and you hug. So you still want to lean forward. So you hug the toilet tank, or if you're somewhere where you can't do that, just kind of lean forward. So you have to adjust according to how you can. 
the easiest one to do is the, the first one that I talked about. But for women that have bad knees, the reverse cowgirl or the reverse toilet positioning uh, position is, is, is probably a better one because then you're, you're not going to put any undue pressure on uh, the knees. The next one is, um, is called the standing squat. It's kind of a dangerous one, honestly. But that is, that is uh, a very good one because you literally stand on the toilet seat and squat, uh, kind of like the cavemans do. And uh, I, uh, do you want to know what name I gave it? Please do. Good, because I want to tell you. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> One of my sons was with a girlfriend of mine who is an absolute germaphobe. So much so that she does that standing squat position at every single public restroom, whether she's drinking alcohol and or in heels. And she manages to do it. Well, she took our son, and he was three years old at the time, and she does her usual thing, and he's just kind of standing at the corner, and he says, you have a hairy vagina. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call the hairy vagina position. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But be careful. Be careful, because that one is, um, you got to be real cautious and have something that's not wobbly on the, on the seat itself. Okay, next one is a standing position. I coined it hands-free because I just wanted to pretend that, you know, hey, we can stand like the guys do and pee, but it really isn't hands-free. And that, it's probably the hardest one, not the most dangerous one, the hardest one to, to do, but you can, you can actually master it, uh, but it does take two hands to do it. So take your lower half of your clothing off and take one hand, spread the labia apart. The other one is going to basically pull up the clitoral hit head so that you expose the urethra and aim it at the toilet water, not the seat like the guys. And uh, lean forward a little bit and, and then you pee. Now uh, take your shoes and socks off the first few times too because you don't want to get those things wet. Mm-hmm. And if that's too much, you can just straddle literally right over the toilet if you're not... I, can't so much because I'm uh, a little vertically challenged, but <laughs> if you can, you can do it that way. Or shower and bathtub is a good place too. There was this one TikTok video about peeing in the shower and how bad it is for you. And what this therapist was trying to indicate, but it came across differently, like you shouldn't ever do it. What she was trying to say is don't, do, don't pee in the shower all the time because then your brain says, ooh, there's a trigger. The shower's on or I hear running water. It's time to pee. So then it starts to to uh, pee before you're ready to go. So, it, it, so when I say it's a, it's a good peeing position, that means to empty, but it, it's fine to pee in the shower. Just don't do it every single time so your brain doesn't think that that's when you go, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the other one is an assisted uh, pee position. And I, I have actually, ha ha, where's my little funnel? Oh no, my granddaughter took it. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily it's not used. <laughs> it's okay i've got like a cat toy there's a diaphragm in my house an old diaphragm a cat toy so i know we're just kind of weird <laughs> i know she walks around with it all the time and she's biting it and putting her mouth <laughs> acquired immunity <laughs> hey you know so you know basically it's it's literally like a funnel and you can take it with you camping in the woods or just at your house if you want and you put it over your crotch make sure you got a good seal and pee now, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, um, you know, how sanitary is it? Am I going to get UTI or bladder infection? And our, our urine, you know that, it's not like 100% sterile because we have bacteria that's 
normal, that's good bacteria in our bladder, but it's sterile for us. So it's not, using the word sterile is probably not the right one, but it's gonna be fine, it's sanitary. Uh, all you have to do really is rinse it with water. Now, this is if you don't have a bladder infection, of course. So just rinse it with water and that's fine. You know, dry it with toilet paper or whatever. It, it's it's gonna be fine. You won't get a UTI from that unless you already had one. Well, I've had that question. Yeah. Never mind. You're not going to get it from it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. I've had that question about the um, the uh, menstrual cups. Is how sanitary yeah. are they to if you have to wash it out it when you're not at home? And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, first of all, the vagina is a bit like your mouth. There's all kinds of bacteria. And mouth is dirtier, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like, don't worry about it too much. Rinse it out. Wipe it out with some TP if you want to. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you're putting tampons in there and they're not sterilized. You're putting other things in there that definitely are not sterilized. <laughs> <laughs> really? What might that be? <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask. We'll <laughs> do a video on that for your page. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, fine. Okay, so here's what I want to do to wrap up. Please tell my listeners where they can find uh, out about you, about your awesome social feeds, please. Great. Well, I'm on uh, pretty much all of them, uh, except for Twitter. So TikTok, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, not a lot yet, but we're getting there. And uh, lots of videos on the things that we've talked about. Uh, the best place probably to start out with is on our website because we have, for example, the pee position PDF that, that shows you pictures and describes how to pee properly. You find it on our website, which is uh, www.thevaginacologist.com. Mm -hmm. And all my, my social media handles are going to be either Dr. Teresa Irwin or The Vaginacologist. So either way. And also, we're going to be launching a masterclass that's going to dive even deeper on uh, the things that you can do to preserve your vagina, the anti-aging secrets further discussed without having to spend money on your vagina. Um, it's free. On, I'm talking about the, the things that I'll teach you. Not the, not the classes themselves. And you, if you want to do that, then it's going to start in September and, and you um, can go on through the, web, the website for that. So, Because awesome. we've only touched the tip of the iceberg on lots of things mm -hmm. on, on what you can do. So. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, I honestly think Dr. Terry and I could have our own radio show and just have a whale of a time talking to women about their <laughs> pelvic health, um, female bodies, and uh, perimenopause. I think we'd have a great time. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed it. This is a long episode. Um, the, this is taken from clips of actually a video interview that we did. The entire video interview is available uh, with the tribe community. And if you want to know more about that, you can find out at my website, which is drlovely.com. Banner across the top that tells you, find out more about the tribe. And that's where you can go. So until next time, be well, take care of each other, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider.
No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.